a listener exclusive. From the Penguin Parade at Phillip Island to that new building development in the middle of Warrigal, this is Talking Gippsland with Ed Cowlishaw. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Gippsland. Today we go behind the mic and see what makes up a radio presenter, a leader and someone that is passionate about the community. Heading up Gippsland FM for the last couple of years has been Michael Hicks. He's a man with a passion for community radio, championing the volunteer experience, whilst also passing on his wisdom and his love of simply being on air. So let's take some time out and enjoy a conversation on Talking Gippsland with Michael Hicks from Gippsland FM. Michael, great to catch up with you. I thought I'd just sit down and have a yarn with someone that loves to talk for a living. So this should be an easy chat um, because we're both radio people. But talk about your journey, your pathway into radio as well and leading up a community station, Gippsland FM, uh, here in uh, in beautiful Morwell as well. Um, how did you get the bug that is radio broadcasting? Well... To be totally honest with you, I didn't actually get the bug when I first started out. Uh, many, many years ago, I got my first go on community radio when I was 12 years old. So 22 years back, uh, we had a family friend who was involved with a community station in Druin and said, hey, you're interested, you want to come and give it a try? Uh, and 12-year-old me thought, oh, I'm going to go on the radio, this is cool. I, I jumped in the studio, we did some recording and I was sold from there and um, you know, I didn't do a lot for a quite a few years because I was focused on schooling but then uh, a few years later I came along to Gippsland FM as a presenter. I spent a bit of time as a presenter here, uh, headed off to the Melbourne Radio School which is sadly no longer around because Gary I Gary Mack think- is it? Sorry? Gary Mack was it? Gary Mack, Gary Mack Radio School, Melbourne Radio School, is that what or was it under the ACE Platform. Under the ACE platform, yeah. yeah. They uh, later went on to the Radio Training Institute, but uh, closed down a couple of years ago, unfortunately. And and, and I think that's a um, pretty sad thing because I, I learned so much from that. I, I got so many opportunities. Uh, but funny enough, after doing a bit of work in commercial radio, I found my way back to Gippsland FM uh, working in production. And, mate, this is home. Where did you end up commercially? Obviously, the, the Melbourne... Uh, radio school, you had Swinburne Radio, you had Holmes Glen as well. So there were a few of them, and now all of them have sort of disappeared in a lot of ways. Where did you end up after graduating? I just went around the traps, really. I just looked on uh, online to find out where there was any opportunities to work. Uh, did a bit of work for a couple of different networks, uh, not not full time and not ongoing, but you know, just to build up that experience and you know, but. The basis of that comes back to community radio for me personally anyway, um, because that's where the love of radio for me came from. Uh, when I first came to Gippsland FM, I was welcomed with open arms. What did you learn from commercial and then to bring it back to community? Because there is that that fine line. It's it's sponsorship with community. It's not commercial. Uh, and if you do double into commercials, they'll come after you with a big stick. But at the same time, that, that essence of community is freedom in a lot of ways as well, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. So you're spot on with uh, the difference between advertising and sponsorship. So for us at a community radio station, it's about working with community businesses and getting their message out to the community and how they help the community. And I, I love it. You know, it's not as go, go, go of commercial radio, but in community radio, you've got that little bit of 
you know, you can take a breath, just sit back and relax a little bit and still have fun, but that's that's me. Flexibility, I guess, when it comes to uh, community is that you've got so many different presenters and I would think the format structure that you might have a theme running through the station. So, for instance, uh, you might have Joy FM in Melbourne town. You might have the likes of Light FM as well, which really push the boundaries on commercial and community there as well. They have their own themes with the LGBT community on Joy, uh, the Christian station that is Light. What's your theme here in Gippsland? Is, is there one? Because when you have so many presenters with so many different eclectic tastes, how do you format something like that? Well, we work around what the presenters love. We, we're not um, set to one particular genre here. You know, we, we've got country music programs. Country music is quite prominent here at Gippsland FM and a large amount of our audience tunes into a lot of the country music. Um, but, you know, we've, we've got easy listening and classical some days, uh, all the way through to heavy metal at night. It's a niche, isn't it, that country music f- theme? And I think a lot of uh, program directors and content directors around uh, the country, for that matter, whether it be cur- commercial or community, um, really think that country is a nice niche. And I think if you can hone in on it and gravitate to it, uh, I think you're going to find that that listenership high up and about. How are you finding that at the moment when it comes to, I guess, people signing on for memberships and, I guess, people listening in? Where do you find yourself at the moment? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, So we're getting more and more country um, presenters who are interested in country, but some of them are going off a bit of a different direction because they they sort of come in and realise, okay, we've got a predominant country sound here during the morning particularly um, and a little bit at night. But, you know, some of these presenters who are coming in, becoming members, they've gone off because they've got that love for multiple genres. Uh, So they're not just set to one sort of thing that they like. With the station itself... um how is it travelling? How how are you finding it? I mean, I know we spoke off air just recently about uh, COVID and how that can impact things. So many different lockdowns. And I think uh, from a commercial standpoint, stations were really struggling to just keep things afloat financially. From a community-based thing, it's just simply running and keeping something on air as well. How did you manage during those three years of well, lockdowns, yes, no, wait there, protocols, and especially with an older demographic of presenters. Well, I tell you what, that was the biggest challenge I've uh, ever faced in my years being involved with radio. Um, There was so much to learn, you know, particularly at the start, the board of directors at the time when uh, the first lockdown was introduced, the board of directors go, okay, we're just going to suspend live broadcasting and go to automation and, you know, initially it was meant to be for a couple of weeks, but we all remember how that turned out, or some of us try not to remember. Mm. Um, you know, for me personally, uh, my role here at the station meant I was still in and out on the daily, so not a lot changed for me personally, but the biggest challenges that were faced, I think, uh, a big a big driving point for community radio is the companionship factor. You know, there's a lot of people out there listening to community radio who listen in for the companionship, the ability to be able to pick up the phone, call in and talk to their favourite presenters. Um, you know, a little different from the commercial sector because you get met with switchboards. Uh, you don't always get onto the on-air presenter and sometimes you may only be on there for a couple of seconds, whereas 
at a community station, you know, our presenters have five, ten minute conversations at a time with people and our listeners absolutely love that companionship and, you know, being able to build that kind of rapport. So when that was basically stripped away, like I said, initially for a couple of weeks, but that turned into a long time, that was probably the biggest challenge to overcome because there was myself and a couple of other people in and out of the station. The phones were still ringing off the hooks and yeah. someone still had to answer that. So um, that that was another challenge on its own for me personally. You know, I'm trying to keep the station operating behind the scenes, but also trying to communicate with our listeners and have those conversations and find a balance point between, you know, giving time to these people, but also balancing the workload that I had. And... How did you manage it? I mean, to get through, uh, obviously, you're a man of many skills and have to be in the role that you're on. Um, how did you, I guess, reinvigorate the station after it when you come out of the tunnel, uh, the dark tunnel that was COVID, and entice people uh, that, hey, it's safe. It is, it is safe to come back and broadcast again. Well, that, again, that was another challenge we faced because uh, a large number of our presenters are towards that older age yeah. demographic. So those people are, were in the more at-risk groups. So like many other stations, we, we introduced um, policies on cleaning and sanitising studios between use, not having presenters go one after the other in the same studio just to minimise social distancing. That was the biggest thing across the couple of years uh, we, we tried to put out there. And, and it, it worked quite well. We did still have a few presenters, even... You know, now there's still some that are only just starting to come back now because they're just starting to feel comfortable. Um, but, you know, ha having a team to support those people, say, what do you need? How can we help you? And, um, you know, they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I, uh, I, can, I, I say differently because a number of our presenters, more so the older uh, demographic presenters. They went out and bought roadcasters and recording equipment and actually recorded programs from home, sent them in so they could still be on air, but they were more comfortable because they weren't in the studio following around with people and, and not feeling at risk. So was that off their own bat to go and buy the technology that they needed to simply get their shows up and running or did you encourage them to do that? We put the idea out there to them and said, you know, there are ways around this. Uh, understandably, equipment is not cheap. No. Um, but, you know, I, me personally, I tried to put out there that, you know, you can, you can put something together with a phone and a computer. You know, it, it may not sound like you're sitting in a studio, but again, that's the joys of community radio. It's, it's not about being 100% perfect. It's about doing what you love, getting a great sounding program out there and and identifying with your audience and so I found even sometimes you know people would actually call into the station via zoom and I'd produce programs with them uh, remotely which you know again a bit more of a workload but I love what I do and I love being able to help people out so um, there, there was so much behind it to make it happen but again like I said there was a couple who went out and spent a couple of thousand dollars on some more professional gear and get that more quote-unquote professional sound I suppose you'd call it um, and you know I was fortunate enough to um, be able to put out a training package for some people and say you know okay here's here's a baseline of how you do it yeah um, but now I, actually I think all of our presenters are back now 
the good part about that is if people know they're not going to be here for a program, they're not worrying about, oh, am I going to be able to get a free studio to come in and record my program? They've got the facilities at home. They know how to do it. They get a great product and send it in to us and we get it on air for them. I think that's a great initiative and the fact that some took that initiative or you've even planted that in their minds that, hey, you can do this yourself at home as long as you've got a little bit of soundproofing and things like that. And you can even buy soundproofing foam nowadays and put it in your room and things like that. But I love that initiative as well. The show must go on. Uh, that non-give-up attitude. And I think uh, to have your presenters and producers think outside the square a little bit just to simply keep people entertained, informed and enjoying Gippsland FM. I think that's fantastic. I think that's a a great way of going about it as well. Uh, Michael Hicks has joined us, of course. Uh, The the legend is uh, that he is at Gippsland FM, only 34 years young, uh, which is fantastic, and he's got more titles than you can poke a stick at, of course, which is absolutely brilliant as well. Board of Directors, how does it sit with you? How do you feel being on the board? Because it, it can be a little bit dicey sometimes. The board likes to say to themselves and leave the production, the producing to the side of things. Do you feel that you should be on there? Or do you feel that there was a need for you to have be on the board? Well, look, I had never actually been on any board beforehand. And yeah. uh, the opportunity came up and, you know, understandably, uh, sometimes you get an organisation where people sort of talk about, oh, you know, we need to do this. And then when it comes to the crunch, you know, hey, do you want to be on the board of directors? It's It seems to be way above their head. And, um, you know, when I, I got nominated... And uh, elected, I was sort of like, okay, well, I know radio. I've been involved with radio on and off for many, many years, but um, is this over my head? But I I found myself to be able to slot in comfortably and I suppose the advantage of um, being a paid employee here as production manager and my uh, portfolio on the board, they go hand in hand. So it's made the job easier, but we've got a great member base who support us and um, you know there's lots of people who have been on the board previously that I, I go to and say hey I'm a bit unsure about this can you give me a bit of a different angle so I'm certainly not um, sitting here going oh, okay I've got to do this all, all by myself uh, you know, I've got a great team uh, fellow directors you know and I think it's safe to say the other directors on the board are in the same way because there's a number of directors on this cohort who have not been on a board as well and uh, sort of jumping in the deep end a bit. Uh, we've, we've got a bit of experience on the board as well, which is very, very helpful. But having that support and and that uplifting attitude from the members who who are there to help us out, because without the members, mm. what's the point, really? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. With uh, community radio stations, though, you do find, and I think in any volunteer organisation, you do find that many people are wearing more hats than they would like and they would love more helping hands in that regard as well. How do you feel in that role? I mean, as you mentioned, you do this and this and this and you've got a passion for it. And this is the thing. When you've got someone that has a passion or a drive to do something, you want them in roles. You want them in positions. But at the same time, um, a shared workload does generally help ease the load, especially when you're in a position where you might have COVID, uh, the situation that we had a couple of years ago where stress can lead to things, the 2019, 2020 fires as well, and keeping people updated there. How do you manage your workload when it comes to that? And, and would you like more people to get on board? 
We would love more and more people. You know, a lot of people think getting involved with radio is all about going on air, and some people have no interest in that. But we've um, recently got a couple of people who are interested in audio production and, and scheduling and that sort of thing, and, and they've come in, you know, to, to do behind-the-scenes kind of roles, um, volunteer their time, and it, it's come at a great time because we've just passed National Volunteers Week, and, and I think that in itself... In, in itself has helped drive um, people getting involved and, you know, we've found more and more people are wanting to get involved with the station but not necessarily as an on-air role and I tell you from my perspective that is one of the greatest things because if I can um, delegate a bit of the workload as you say, you know, if, if I caught COVID, I'm the one doing my job but yeah. there's no one else doing it yeah. um, it's all good and well, I've got a home studio set up and some days I work remotely from home, but at the same time, you know, if I if I get crook and I'm bedridden, it's not necessarily going to get done. So having those people to come along, and again, like I said, you know, our member base, we've got a great supportive member base. Uh, we've got greatly skilled people who do have a bit of experience and may just need a bit of, okay, this is the process on how to do this. Um, you know, there's been a couple of times I've been able to take a, a week or two off work and things have gone smoothly on the occasion. You know, things don't always go smoothly and you'd, you'd know that yourself. Um, but another one, as you mentioned, the uh, fires in 2019, 2020, mm. uh, we're an official emergency broadcaster here as well. And again, you know, the volunteer hours in uh, into that sort of thing is, uh, is a big one. Now, um, Back in 2019, you know, there was a lot of emergency warnings and evacuations. I remember I did about three days straight of 14 to 16 hours of just broadcasting. And that was outside of the paid role that I do here as well. So That's excessive. I I did feel a bit knackered by the end of it. But um, I suppose what I took from that was, okay, I'm pretty knackered. There's some people taking over now. I've done my bit for the community that I can do to the best of my abilities. And in all honesty, I probably would have kept going on um, and maybe got to that burnout phase before I realised it. But, you know, when you've got these great people to come in and say, hey, you've been at it for a few days, you're flat knacker, take a break, let me do some of the work. And and I suppose that's... My wife will, will tell you. That you touched on there that... You know, a lot of lot of announcers do want to do their bit, um, but that learnings there sounds like you do it all again those fourteen sixteen hour days. But what processes have you got in place for the next event? Because we know in Gippsland, it's going to come. There's going to be another event, whether it be floods or storms or fires or anything like that. Um, what process have you put in place since the 2019, 2020 fires where? you're going to have staff on hand so you're not doing those 14, 16-hour days so you can actually help those behind the scenes as well and make sure that the right information is going to where? Well, uh, we've we've certainly expanded the team of people who make themselves available. Uh, the beauty parties, there's a lot of them who live quite close to the studio, so getting in here is a, is a quick process. And, you know, the, the biggest challenge is to teach the emergency management sorry, emergency management Victoria procedures because there's very, very strict guidelines on what can and can't be done, especially with the um, emergency warning signal. Uh, You know, if you play that without authorisation, there's a lot of implications with that. So it's, it's not being just about expanding the team, but really investing the time into training them 
and and being satisfied that everyone involved can come in, fulfil that role, and we know that they're going to do that to the best of their ability within the guidelines that are set by Emergency Management Victoria. Now, with that, it's great that you've come from there and you've mentioned that you've got a good crew there and you're getting more and more people putting their hand up to be a part of it, but there's a certain demographic that's probably lacking and that's the under-30s. How are you going about, I guess, encouraging youngsters from, I would say, year 10 through to 30, that marker there. I mean, you started, what, at 12, was it? Something along those lines there? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And we've actually got a presenter who is the son of the former program director. He started out here when he was seven years old. Yeah, so seven years seven. old. And I'll tell you what, he does a pretty damn good program, if I don't say so myself. So how old is he now? He is... I'm going to get this wrong and get in trouble, but I think I'm going to say he's 10 going on 11 now. 10 going on 11 and doing a show on community radio. That's insane. And this is the opportunity that we talk about. So for those parents that are listening and you were, you're thinking about something, an extracurricular activity on getting involved with, it could be sport, could be scouts, could be anything like that. But you can get involved. If there's a platform there, such as community radio, you can get involved with this, which is absolutely brilliant. But how do you encourage more and more youngsters? Do you get out to open days? Do you um, spruik what you guys do and the education pathways? Because uh, a former colleague of yours and mine, Ryan Runge, is now uh, based out at uh, Melbourne in 3AW doing some panel operating for Neil Mitchell and things like that. He's only 18, 19 years of age, uh, cut his teeth at TRFM as well, and he's on the path. He's on the path. And on arguably one of the highest rating metro shows in Victoria, and especially at that age, you know, what a career he's got ahead of him. You know, he's gotten this far so early. I think it has been a bit of a challenge, you know, relating and getting the younger demographic, you know, particularly that high school age uh, towards 30 years old. And, you know, even though, as we say, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than some of the people here myself... I still find it a bit of a struggle to directly relate to, you know, the school age leavers because technology and education has changed so much from when I was there, you know, 15 years ago now. Yeah. Um, but what, what we've sort of done is the board of directors, we've sat down and gone, okay, how are we going to incentivise? How are we going to reach out to these groups? So, you know, we're in the process of putting together a couple of presentations to take to local schools, um, you know, not just high schools, but primary schools as well. Um, you know, like I said, we've got a 10-year-old on here, um, and there's no limit, you know. Who's to say you can't get a 5-year-old on here if they've got the skills, and, you know, you can help them develop those skills as well. So, you know, it's not just about targeting the older school-age kids, but anywhere, because the younger generation, they're our future. Um and, and I think it's important to keep radio alive. Um, you know, there, there, there's so much competition with podcasts, uh, with, with streaming, uh, TikTok, social media, Snapchat and all that. And, and they've got their own um, dangers that are posed with them, particularly with anything online. So if, if we can somehow relate to the younger demographic, get them involved in radio and and educate them to want to do something a little different, do something that they may see as an old media. Um, but, you know, it's it, it's about getting out there and reaching out. Uh, it's, it's not about hoping that they're going to come to us because, you know, 
not a lot of them may know that we're even here. Yeah, and that's the point. I think that many kids, when it comes to careers and things like that, for me, I grew up in Melbourne um, and I wanted to get into radio, but no one could help me in Melbourne town at that time. No one knew which way to go and it was up to my own devices. And this is at an elite private school in Melbourne town. They couldn't get me into radio. And they said, what's your backup plan? I said, no, 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 that is my plan. And I think... For those kids out there, and I think in regional uh, Victoria and regional Australia, they don't know how lucky they have it when it comes to opportunity. And this is an opportunity for them that, you know, if they come and meet you, uh, you can educate them through an air check or something along those lines there, ideas of a program structure, and, and away you go, and all of a sudden you're on the air. But the responsibilities that you have when you put a mic in front of your face are paramount. And that education gets passed down as well. The responsibility of turning up to a shift. Oh, boy, I bet you you have some pr- troubles there sometimes. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, it wasn't before I was program director. You know, it was still a bit of a challenge because I was the one who needed to make something happen if someone wasn't there. Yeah. But now being in that role, it, it sort of amplifies that issue. And you know, things happen and we understand, you know, people get crook, Um Oh, I had a, had a uh, presenter call in today who's who's a little bit older and has had a head cold for the last seven days. And, yeah. you know, again, someone my age may get over a head cold in a couple of days, but someone in their 80s, they're not going to. So, you know, get a phone call, hey, I can't make it. And the implications there, I don't want to just go to, okay, I'm going to automate the program. I, I know this person, this person, this person uh, have filled in for this particular program. Yeah. I'm going to get onto them, see if they can do it. One phone call, I had the program covered. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work quite that well, but uh, worst case scenario, if we can't get anyone, there's always a backup plan. Something will always go to air. But uh, the philosophy here is we want bums on seats and, and we want to feel, you know, we've got 24 hours a day, 168 hours in a week. And a lot of people sort of scoff at graveyard hours, I suppose. And, oh, you know, not, not many people are listening. But, um, you know, Luke Boner on the night shift with you guys, um, that's a pretty high-rating program, and, and the content on that program is brilliant. So, you know, graveyard isn't just boring rubbish. It, it, it can be anything, and we'd love to fill those 24 hours a day. It's an interesting audience, uh, the graveyard shift for anyone that's ever done it. I did it at SEN for about three and a half years, and that's a sports-based station, and that is, of course, like preaching to a cheer squad nationwide. It is, and when you go to a cheer squad of any football team, you know, they're made up of some very interesting interesting people out there as well, uh, and you never know who you're going to get on the, on the show as well. As... We look forward and I look at the technology in front of us and there's so much various uh, tech here at the moment. I don't know if that's a if, if that's a mini disc player, I'm not too sure. It looks like a CD player. You've got the Rodecaster in front of us, a big flat screen there, three mics, of course, ready to go, cart machines out the back. Um, it's like a whole history of, of technology right in front of us here at Gippsland. How are you making the transition um, to be as tech savvy as you possibly can whilst also letting your presenters stay up to date with new technology but also stay familiar with old panels and things like that? Well, we've managed to uh, transition away from reel-to-reels and cart machines. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, that, that's, uh, they've been retired for quite a few years. But uh, I suppose the big difference 
particularly between community and commercial radio, is um, commercial radio seems to be pretty well digitised across the board. Everything's uh, held on servers, done on computers. Uh, people here at at Gippsland FM and in many community stations, you know, as as you mentioned, we've got a couple of CD players. Uh, I would say about 98% of our presenters still use CD players. Right. We've got turntables in the studios. Yeah. People play vinyl. Yeah. Uh, we, we've actually got a program dedicated to just vinyl. Well, it always sounds better on vinyl, doesn't it? It does. Yes. Unless the, uh, yes. <laughs> unless <laughs> the, the stylus starts <laughs> skipping. and A backup plan. Because you get a power spike, computer could turn off and reset itself. All of a sudden, oh, crap, what am I going to do? So I always have a couple of sodas there just ready to go, just in case. To this day, haven't needed it. But, um, you know, yeah. I'm not currently on air, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not too concerned about that at the moment. But uh, mind you, if I'm in the middle of uh, editing some audio or putting some programs together and I lose power, that could be problematic. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's about... You know, we, we try and adapt and we're going more towards a computer and technology-based future. But the reality is, you know, CDs and other forms of physical media still are quite prominent, particularly in the community sector. So we, we've got to still be able to cater for that. Um, but now the challenges we face there, obviously, we've got um, CD players in the studio that are remote start. So, you know, people queue up the song, they hit the on button, away you go. But now, because physical media is starting to decline or is you know, on a heavy decline, mm. um, manufacturers just aren't building the uh, infrastructure and equipment the same way they were, you know. To buy a new CD player that's got remote start capabilities that we, we use, you know, you're looking at nearly a $1,000 a player now. Yeah. And, you know, in community radio, uh, we, we rely on sponsorship, donations, uh, as opposed to commercial advertising. So at the best of times, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. So, you know, you, you could look at a, a large network that have stations all across Australia and, you know, there's, there's equipment budgets there and $1,000 may not seem so much, but to a community station like us who are pretty well self-sufficient, $1,000 is a huge amount of money to spend and, you know, sort of trying to justify and and as such, you know, we, we look at other equipment, go, okay, we found a CD player the same, but it doesn't have the remote start, it's $200. You know, you're going to save yourself a few dollars, but you're sacrificing some of the features. Yeah. And and that can be a challenge because a lot of presenters, you know, we've, we've got presenters that have been here since the start. We've been on air since 1976, uh, so 45 years plus, and we've got presenters who have been here since day dot. And, wow. Um, the gentleman you met on the way in, he's he's one of the founding members of this station and he still presents on air to this day. And I suppose one of the challenges to overcome there is a lot of these people, they, they've gotten used to certain equipment or certain processes that's and right. then trying to change, you know, that's... It, it's not to say people are stubborn and don't like change. It's human nature not to like change. So when you've been subject to, to one particular process for, you know, decades... All of a sudden, what may seem like a tiny change in my eyes is a massive change to them, and 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 that's another hurdle to overcome in itself. Yeah, it's 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 that complex thing, and as we spoke about format before, but the presenters and what they're used to, and things like that. And I always find it interesting when I walk into a community station and I see the technology that's on hand, and see where 
people are comfortable with and what they want. But as we move forward, that next generation and what that new talent coming through, they're going to have to be using the latest technology sooner or later, especially if you want to create a pathway for them to go on to bigger and, and better things as well. Future of Gippsland FM, is it promising? Is it is it steady? Is it focused? Look, we, we have our challenges uh, like any other community station, particularly in the financial aspect. Uh, we, we've got uh, fundraising drives and a big fundraising events. Uh, there, there is a thought that apparently if... Uh, a certain amount of money is donated on the day. A certain program director may sing an embarrassing karaoke song at the event. Right. Okay. But but that's that's the thing. It's all about you know getting these events together, um, which can sometimes be a logistical nightmare because you know sometimes you think oh you know put a, a fundraising music day together. Bob's your uncle, but then you've you've got to think of other things. You know marketing the event, um, putting a budget together for the event. The hardest one to deal with, liability insurance. You yeah. know, that's one people don't think of. So when you're trying to put an event like that together and you've got all these costs for insurances and whatnot, you know, you've got to try and find a real good balance point. Um, so, you know, we, we're keeping on keeping on trying to do as much of this kind of thing, but involving the community and getting the community involved uh, with these events and, and these kind of drives because, again, without the community... There's not a lot of point. We, we can have 100 people sitting in the studios, but if we've got zero people with their radio dials tuned into Gippsland FM, are we fulfilling our vision and mission? Um, so, so using our vision and mission, that's what we sort of use to continue driving, okay, how are we going to move forward and what can we do to overcome these financial challenges? You know, I... I don't like to stick on financial, but that is that is realistically the biggest challenge that we face. Yeah. Um, you know, technology, we, we've got some pretty good equipment. We've got a great team of uh, tech people here who know the equipment in and out and we're on preventative maintenance, you know, weekly, monthly as needed. Um, and quite honestly, we, we're one of the best equipped community radio stations. You know, we've been fortunate enough to visit a lot of community stations who haven't been fortunate enough to have the same sort of facilities. You know, a lot of stations have one studio and that's it. We're fortunate enough to have two broadcast studios that are identical or mirror image. We've got a podcasting studio. We've got uh, production offices. We've got some great facilities here and we're real fortunate. Um, now, ideally, I'd love to see us move into towards the digital age. Um, our consoles in the studio, we still use analog and they, they work really, really well. Um, but... Again, the reality is we're moving forward into a technological age, but the capital investment that comes with it, you know, to uh, fit out the studio, two studios with digital equipment, run the wiring, you know, we've got to look at being off air potentially for a day or two and just go with the um, <clears throat> on-air stream and, and do, so, you know, reroute something to the transmitter. And then you're looking at, you know, up to $100,000 plus for equipment and yeah. then the expertise to get that, all routed and wired up and you know it it's a huge huge challenge so i suppose something like that you know where i think you know okay we're getting to a point where we need to really feasibly look at it but it's one of those projects that sort of has to go on the back burner because we need to focus on remaining financially viable and remaining viable to our community one of those key platforms that keep your financial is membership uh and also maybe 
starting up and putting yourself behind the mic or helping behind the scenes or producing and maybe having a voice as well to do uh, <laughs> what you need to do as well. Um, how do you get involved? How do, how do people get involved with Gippsland FM? Well, generally, uh, to, to start off, you can send us an email to office at gippslandfm.org.au and just express your interest or you, head, you can head to our website, gippslandfm.org.au, uh, head to the contact page, fill your details in, express that you're interested, or even give us a call here at the station uh, during business hours, 51348444, and we'd love to hear from anyone because, uh, again, that's the beauty part. It's not about applying for a job and potentially getting knocked back. We're about giving everyone a go, giving a voice to people who may be underrepresented, and, and, and I just want to quickly touch on because I think it's a great initiative uh, at a lot of community stations, but I'm I'm proud to be part of it here at Gippsland FM, is we, we've got a number of ethnic presenters. You know, we have programs presented in different languages. Um, you know, we're reaching out to the Greek community around here. We're reaching out to the Maltese community, the Filipino community, so many different languages. Um, and, you know, even if someone from one of those communities wants to get involved and, you know, may not have the best English skills, we're always looking for people who can present programs in, in other languages to fulfil the needs of a, a different community group altogether. Um, so, yeah, we, we'd love to hear from anyone. It doesn't matter age, uh, how old you are, whether you're male or female, we would love to have more bums on seats. We want to have as many people here as we possibly can and work together as a team to continue connecting with the community and putting that community foundation message out to everyone. So it, it's not all, like I said earlier, it's not all about being on air. You know, we've got support roles. Uh, we, we've got a great team of volunteers who come in who just check emails once a week and, and you know, send out emails to relevant presenters and say, oh, you know, we've got this in the office. Uh, it may be of interest to you if you're keen to have an interview and, you know, just things like that. You know, we I, I've been fortunate enough to have some of that communication sent to me when I was uh, hosting a late-night program uh, quite a few years ago now. And, I, you know, I've interviewed people like Harrison Storm, who's hit it big in mainstream. I've interviewed Garrett Cato. Um, you know, those kind of opportunities, they stem from volunteers sitting in the office checking the emails. Uh, so, you know, you want to get involved with community radio and not necessarily behind a microphone, we'll have something for you. For you yourself, uh, 34 years of age, so still young, still another 30, 40 years maybe in the industry as well. Where do you see yourself? Are you community all the way now? Or if the carrot is dangled in front of you commercially, do you think you'll have another bite of that cherry? A hundred percent. I love the challenges uh, that commercial radio offer. Uh, you know, it's it's a fast-paced environment. There's a lot of things that are time critical, uh, particularly, especially with networking. You know, there's a lot of technology you've got to get your head around. And and I suppose I, you know, here at Gippsland FM, I've, I've been working in production since 2017. So 16 or 17, six or seven years I've been here in this role. But, you know, before now, before this role, the longest I'd stayed in one particular job was only three years because I'd always get bored of doing the same thing over and over and over. And, you know, the competitive nature of commercial radio, you start out in a casual role, you're not always going to get into a full-time or permanent role necessarily, um, you know, and, and I got to that point where, okay, I've got to think about my family, so came back to community radio, you know, I've, I've got a great flexible work schedule here, Um 
but I'd love to get back into it. Um, but again, like I said, you know, community radio will always be home for me, and it it will always have a huge part of my my heart and my personality, no matter where I am. Well, wherever you end up, Michael, I know you're fully passionate about radio in itself, whether it be commercial, community, or any which way you go, and who knows what the podcast generation is going to churn out as well down the track. Uh, We thank you for your time today here on Talking Gippsland for what you do for the community, leading uh, this wonderful merry bunch along as well, and and keep creating that pathway as well for, for the next generation coming through. I mean, I think it is so important for those youngsters out there that fall in love with radio or want to try something a little bit different uh, as they're leaving school to go, hey, there is a pathway for me. This could be something that could intrigue me and maybe uh, set them on an adventure as well. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Ed. It's, uh, when, when you gave me the call, I, I was straight away, I would love to be involved in this because I love radio. Uh, I'd love to get that message out there and I love being able to be committed and help serve the community. That's that's what it's all about, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. Great to spend some time there with Michael Hicks from Gippsland FM. And if you're thinking about maybe stepping behind the microphone, do so and get in contact with the team at Gippsland FM. Check them out on their socials and on the website. Next week on the show, we're going to have a kick of the footy with Rhett McLennan, the head coach of the boys' program down at Gippsland Power. Love living in Lee and Gatha. I love being part of the wider Gippsland community. I love coming here. I love the kids that I coach. I love the people that I work with. But I know it can't last forever. So it's about embracing what I've got now and uh, and really enjoying it for what it is and the opportunities that actually working within this organisation and the larger AFL landscape actually provides and then see where it rolls after that. Looking forward to spending some time with Rep McLennan in the next episode of Talking Gippsland. Local voices, local stories, only on Listener. Catch you next time. A Listener Production.